freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches it's critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, September 2nd, 2012. This show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. That's 4 to, se- 4 to 6 Central time. And we have a great show planned for you here today. Today's show is going to be information-packed, as always. We're going to be wrapping up the, the topic of carnism as part of our ongoing solutions section, talking about the non-support of dominators and the practices of domination. Carnism, of course, as I spoke about it in the last couple of weeks, I call it the ultimate expression of domination. And we're going to continue a little bit today talking about the occult reasons for ceasing to practice carnism, this religion, because that's what it really is. And uh, that'll be in the first part of the show today. And then the second part of the show, I'm going to transition topics to go toward uh, another um, sub aspect of uh, the solution of the non supportive dominators, talking about women's role in the non-supportive dominators and strategies that women can actually employ to become a a powerful force of influence in the lives of men men who are in their lives to help them to see the truth and to stop supporting dominator institutions and practices so that's coming up in the second part of the show I have a lot of event announcements so please bear with me Uh, it's very busy as I said last week but that's a good thing because that means a lot is happening and a lot of people are Uh, waking up to the reality that's around them and getting involved. So, of course, the Free Your Mind 2 conference coming up here in the city of Philadelphia next year in April. Free Your Mind returns to Philadelphia in 2013 with a three-day conference featuring top caliber whistleblowers from across the country who will shed light upon our world's problems and bring forward empowering solutions. This unique event will build upon the success of the first Free Your Mind conference in 2011 with a continued focus to spread awareness on the topics of consciousness, mind control, subversive occult influences, holistic body, mind, spirit, health, 
and solution-oriented approaches to the problems humanity faces in these challenging times. Free Your Mind 2, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult here in Philadelphia, April 25th, 26th, and 27th of 2013 at the Arch Street Meeting House, 320 Arch Street in Philadelphia. The doors open at 8 o'clock a.m. each day. The featured speakers so far, we have 19 speakers lined up. We're going to probably be booking about five or six more uh, to complete the roster of uh, phenomenal uh, information and speakers who are going to present that information at the Free Your Mind 2 conference, including Alan Steinfeld, Alfred Weber, Andrew Bashago, Ben Stewart, Bob Tuscan, Curtis Davis, Dr. Dream, Mark Peebler, Freighter X, Freeman Fly, Jan Irvin, Jay Parker, Jim Fetzer, Joseph Meyer, Laura Eisenhower, Lennon Honor, Lorraine Moray, Mark Passio, Ross Ben, and Sonia Barrett. More speakers will be announced. A few more speakers still to come to complete uh, the lineup. For more information and for ticket information, you can visit www.freeyourmindconference.com. That's freeyourmindconference.com. Go up to the website, check out all the speaker bios, and information on how you can get tickets is already up there. Now, I have one addendum to the Free Your Mind 2 event. We are looking to get some promotion done for this event. As I've been saying in the last few weeks, we still need help organizing for this conference. We don't have... Um, really the full uh, support as far as an organizational team. We have a core group of organizers that's making things happen right now, but we need some more uh, assistance. If you can help in any way, please get in touch with me, mark at freeyourmindconference.com. If you're in the Philadelphia area and you want to help out in a, support, in a supportive way in the Free Your Mind 2 conference, please do get a hold of me. With that being said, I have uh, a public announcement I want to make regarding how some people in the New York City area can be of help for the Free Your Mind 2 conference. You know, New York is just a hop, skip, and a jump from uh, the city of Philadelphia, so we want to try to do some heavy promotion in the city of New York. Of course, a couple of our speakers from around that area, including uh, the illuminated one, Curtis Davis, of Occult Science Radio. And uh, what we want to do is have folks print up some handbills if they want to contribute, make a small donation to the uh, Free Your Mind 2 effort. Uh, you know, no obligation to do so, but I'm just asking if you're in the Philadelphia, if you're in the New York City area, specifically Manhattan, and you can uh, print up some uh, flyers, I've posted to the website on this podcast, image number two in the uh, related images section. Um, of course, always images that I talk about on the show are always posted on the whatonearthishappening.com website on the radio show tab. You click the radio show tab and underneath the player it will say images for today's show. Uh, they become the related images for the particular podcast. This is going to be podcast number 123. So on the podcast page you can also see the images in the related images section uh, posted with each podcast. For today you'll see image number two on the radio show page of whatonearthishappening.com is a, a double, uh, a, a half-page flyer for the Free Your Mind 2 conference. You can print this um, full bleed with your uh, inkjet printer. If you print it in full color, it comes out even better. 
and then you could take it to a local copy center, uh, a Staples or an Office Max or something like that, a, a campus copy center, and print some of them up, as many as you feel that you can, get them cut down the middle, and distribute them. Now, I'm asking people to distribute these in the New York City area on September 11th. There's going to be a lot of activists out there. There's going to be a lot of people who are uh, conscious, who are somewhat awake to what's really going on in our world. And it's a prime opportunity to reach them with information about the Free Your Mind 2 conference. So anyone in the New York City area, especially Manhattan, if you are so inclined to want to help out with a little bit of uh, a promotional effort for the Free Your Mind 2 conference, I have put a uh, 300 dot per inch high resolution JPEG as image number two on this podcast. You can download it, print it at high resolution, copy it up, get them cut down the middle, and uh, if you would be so kind, please uh, distribute them in New York. I will not be able to be present in New York on this September 11th. So um, that's why I'm asking for the assistance. And uh, we're also uh, getting people involved on the existing conference organizational team to do this as well. So if anyone in the general public um, who wants to help out a little bit with that effort, it is image number two on podcast number 123. Next announcement is the Free Your Mind 2 conference fundraiser number one. We're going to host six of these before the conference arrives uh, to raise money for um, bringing in out-of-town speakers into Philadelphia, which costs a whole lot. So the first fundraiser is going to be taking place Saturday, September 15th at 8 o'clock p.m. at Liberty's Pub at, on the second floor of the pub. Liberties is at 705 North 2nd Street. That's the corner of 2nd and Fairmount Streets in the Northern Liberty section of Philadelphia. It will be a $15 donation at the door. And this fundraiser will feature a, a presentation by me entitled The Matrix Trilogy Decoded. I'm going to be breaking down the symbolism and allegory of the, science the allegorical science fiction trilogy, The Matrix. This should be a great presentation. You won't want to miss it if you're in the Philadelphia area. Again, all proceeds go toward offsetting costs associated with bringing in out-of-town speakers for the conference in April. Uh, conference tickets will also be available. They will be on sale at the fundraiser. So if you want to get your tickets early, you can get them at fundraiser number one at Liberty's on September 15th, 8 o'clock p.m. For more information, of course, visit freeyourmindconference.com. The nationwide and the Fed rally is taking place this uh, month, Saturday, September 22nd, in front of every Federal Reserve Bank in the country. I'm going to be speaking at the Philadelphia and the Fed rally and march, along with Larkin Rose and many other great speakers. Uh, this will be taking place Saturday, September 22nd at noon in front of the Federal Reserve Branch Bank of Philadelphia, which is at 6th and Arch Streets. For more information on this event, please visit either truthfreedomprosperity.org for the Philadelphia rally or for the nationwide rally. Visit endthefed2012.com. That's endthefed2012.com. The MUFON PA East Coast Conference, hosted by Mutual UFO Network of Pennsylvania, will be hosting their conference September 
28th, 29th, and 30th, 2012 at the Sheraton Bucks County Hotel, 400 Oxford Valley Road, Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Great speakers lined up, including John Ventry, Frank Fashino Jr., Sue Switek, Karen Dolan, Stan Gordon, Travis Walton, Rob Switek, Peter Robbins, Grant Cameron, Richard Dolan, Stephen Bassett, and myself, Mark Passio. I'm going to be talking about the moral issues involved in the continued cover-up of extraterrestrial phenomena at this Mutual UFO Network conference. My talk is entitled Morality and Disclosure. For more information on this conference coming up at the end of this month here in Pennsylvania, please visit www.mufonpa.com. That's M-U-F-O-N-P-A.com. You could also get more information at mainlinemufon.com. Click, uh, go to that site and click on annual conference. Okay. I have three new interviews up in the What on Earth is Happening news section that I did over the past couple weeks. The first is uh, Down the Rabbit Hole with Popeye from August 24th. Uh, also, Wide Awake News with Charlie McGrath. I was on his show on August 27th. And I did a guest host spot on the Bob Tuscan show on Tuesday, August 28th. Those three shows are now up in the news section of the What on Earth is Happening website. You could uh, download those and check them out. The What on Earth is Happening ad-free sponsorship, of course, has hit its goal for this second three-month period. A phenomenal effort on the part of the listeners, and I humbly thank you because um, you cared enough to make it happen and to make this show go ad-free uh, for the uh, for both hours of the show. So we'll be resetting the ad-free goal uh, for the next three-month period, which will be from February, uh, March, and April, February through April. I'll be resetting that over the next uh, week or so. And we'll begin that effort once again. I'll be taking September and October off for additional radio interviews. And the reason for that is I'll be focusing fully on the organization and promotion of the Free Your Mind 2 conference. So you won't uh, see any additional interviews going up in the What on Earth is Happening news section, as that is the place they are usually posted, until around the beginning of November when I will start doing interviews again. Next week, we have a very special guest coming on the show to What on Earth is Happening to talk about sacred feminine energy and women's influence in the non-support of domination and dominator culture in general. I'm going to welcome next week to the show Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, one of the speakers for the Free Your Mind 2 conference. She also spoke at Free Your Mind 1 back in 2011. I can't think of anybody better to discuss this topic of women's role in the non-support of dominators with. So next week, look for that interview, a full two-hour interview with Laura Eisenhower next week on What on Earth is Happening. In two weeks, we will begin our first full call-in show on this topic, the non-support of dominators and the dominator culture. We'll be doing two full two-hour call-in shows starting in two weeks. There will be one prerequisite rule. If you want to call in and in any way defend the practice of carnism as part of this discussion 
on the non-supportive dominators. If you're calling in to defend the practice, then the prerequisite for doing that is you will have to have watched the movie Earthlings, the documentary film Earthlings in its entirety. And I posted links for Earthlings in podcasts number 121 and 122. So that's for free online. You could go and watch it entirely for free. Um, the only people who will have that prerequisite are those who want to come on and advocate for carnism. So if you don't want to do that, it's not necessary that you've watched that to make comments on this topic. But I will also be limiting the discussion to this specific topic. Everything that we've talked about in the solutions section called the non-supportive dominators so far on this show. That's what the topic is going to be for the two call-in shows. Okay, that having been said, let's jump into our material for today's show. As always, you can get the images at whatonearthishappening.com slash radio. whatonearthishappening.com slash radio. That's the radio show page. Underneath the player for the show, you'll see images for today's show, and there's 30 of them there. The first few images were uh, promotional flyers. Uh, the sixth image was a uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth image is regarding the uh, general topic that I have brought up as a solution to the problems humanity is facing in consciousness. And I call this entire section the way out, uh, grassroots solutions for real and positive change. And we're on the topic, the, the solution called the non-supportive dominators. Last week and the week before, we talked about the religion of carnism in the truest sense of the word religion, which comes from the Latin verb religare, which means to tie back, to thwart from forward progress. That's what religion in its negative connotation actually does. It isn't a true religion. It's something that is not based upon anything that is really rooted in reality. It's not true. It's something that's based in an illusion. It's based in a belief system. It isn't based on truth. It isn't based on natural law. It isn't based on morality. It's based in an erroneous belief system that someone is trying to justify in their own mind. And in that sense, a religion holds us back. While carnism is a religion, it's a dogmatic religion that is based entirely upon violence. The entire ideology is based on violence. If you really break it down and get to the the, the root of it, and, and you're honest with yourself, this is something that is entirely based on violent behavior. Its main belief system is that it is morally justifiable and or necessary to kill animals and eat their dead flesh. That is the religion of carnism. We talked about this over the last two weeks. I called it the ultimate expression of domination, which is why we need to understand that what we are doing to other beings is going to be reflected unto us and we are going to be made to share in that experience. And if you don't know that that's the case, you're not really fully awake. You're not really fully conscious. If you do not deeply understand the law of correspondence that it is in operation in the universe, not because I say so, but because it is a law of nature, it is inherent to creation. There is nothing you are going to do to stop the manifestation of that law. It is in existence. You are bound by it. As you do to others will be done unto you the end. That is a law of the universe. And therefore, 
what we are doing to animals ultimately is going to re be reflected back to us and we are going to experience it in some form through some expression or manifestation. And that's the main reason for stop, stopping doing it. You know, actually, I would say there's the bigger reason is because it's simply wrong and that it's causing suffering. That's the main reason. And, you know, the secondary reason, the, the reason that j sits just under that, that's almost equally as important is because this is how we're creating our reality. You know, it, again, what we do is going to be reflected back to us through the laws of creation. Therefore, if we want our reality to be just, we should treat other beings justly. If we want our reality to be nonviolent, we should be nonviolent to other beings. And unfortunately, we're bringing all this suffering down upon ourselves. And this is one of the practices through which we bring that level of enslavement and suffering upon ourselves through. It's a choice. Last week, we talked about the justifications for carnism. And I went over six justifications, including the apathy and ignorance justification, whereby we say we have our own problems and we don't have time to worry about animals and whether they suffer or not. That was justification number one. The second was the fundamentally flawed idea of uh, someone's completely erroneous notion of what they call the natural order, quote unquote, which has nothing to do with the real natural order of the cosmos. It's this Darwinian uh, concept of survival of the most ruthless that they believe in religiously. This is the concept, well, other animals kill animals for food, so why shouldn't we do the same, right? We're, we're animals just like them. Well, no, we're not. We're not animals just like them. We're supposed to be human beings. We're supposed to hold ourselves to a higher standard and not engage in violence. And, you know, yet this is people's absolutely poisonous worldview of themselves. This comes from ultimately a lack of respect. It ultimately comes from seeing oneself as unchangeable, that the will cannot be employed to change oneself. Let me tell you something. If we employed enough will, we can change not only our behavioral aspects of ourselves, we can change our form. We could actually change our, right down to our DNA, we could possibly change. But people don't believe that's possible. You know, they have a, a very inadequate view of who they are, what they're capable of doing, and it's just a completely poisoned worldview to think of oneself as no better or worse than any other animals. You know, this is, this is taught in Satanism. One of the, the main tenets of Satanism is human beings are animals no different than any other animal. That's one of the main satanic tenets. Look it up if you don't believe me. Go read the Satanic Bible by LaVey, which is a concrescence of modern-day Satanic uh, uh, ideological tenets, is what that book is. Of course, this religion is much, much older than him. He's only uh, putting it in modern um, book form. That's all. But this is a ancient religion. They, the, the adherents of it themselves call it simply the old religion. And one of its tenets, as I said, is man is no better than any animal that walks in the field and we should stop denying our totally uh, carnal nature and just give ourselves over to it. And this is part of this fundamentally flawed notion of the natural order, quote unquote, the natural order, because it's not the real natural order. 
The third justification for carnism that we talked about last week was the false religion justification that God gave us dominion over these animals or so we interpret different phrases from the Bible as telling us so. And that means we can just murder them and use them as we please. When, of course, this is all false religion handed down to us by man and has nothing to do with the laws of creation. The 1984 doublespeak justification. Don't worry, this one was killed humanely. You know, this is free range or this is humanely uh, taken life. And there is no such thing. You put the words killed and humanely together and you could just see it's just Orwellian doublespeak. If you're killing something, you're obviously not treating it humanely because you're killing it. It's as plain as day to someone who's being honest with himself, but most of us are not. The separation worldview justification. Well, these animals aren't conscious in the same way we are, so it's okay to just kill them and use them for food. This totally ignores what we're doing that's creating the suffering that these animals are undergoing. It's not looking at it as, as all beings suffer, as one being suffers, all beings suffer. It's taking this totally separation worldview that it doesn't matter. Their suffering is meaningless to my uh, existence and my quality of being, and it's not. We're all connected. We are all fundamentally one at the universal field level of consciousness. And therefore, if others are suffering, we should want to alleviate that. We should want to be involved in the alleviation of suffering for all beings, not just ourselves. And then finally, the no justification justification, as I coined it last week, or in other words, the truth, also known as simply the truth. And that is, well, I do feel bad about what I'm doing here, but I could never give up my meat, quote unquote, my meat. You know, it's just way too tasty. It just tastes too good. I'm too addicted to it. I could never develop the willpower to really change who I am and desist in a practice of violence or violence by proxy, which is what carnism is. And those are really the justifications that we use to try to uh, create a right. That's what the word justification means, creating right, making a wrong into a right. Of course, this is an illusion. It can never be done. It will never be done. It's only an illusion that exists in, in a diseased psyche that is trying to make a wrong action okay in their own mind, in their own psyche. So we also looked at the law of correspondence last week when it comes to this practice. And the law of correspondence simply states that that which is above is like to that which is below that which is below is like to that which is above. Or in other words, the universe is self-similar across all scales, across all sizes, and I would suggest modalities of behavior. It is also self-similar, meaning if we continue to create chaos, chaos is going to be generated for us by something that is above us in the real, quote, natural, the real natural order, okay? The universe is going to intelligently rearrange the field of consciousness around us to provide the experience that we have been generating through our behaviors. And it's going to reflect that experience back to us so that we will learn the lesson that, hey, it's not okay to behave like this. We should not be engaging in such practices, and people look at the image that I presented and they think of it like, oh, well, that's just the natural order 
oh, life eats life. And, you know, a little bit of life that's real small gets eaten by something that's bigger, and then that gets eaten by something that's even bigger. No, that's not the natural order. This is the Darwinian notion of the natural order that is a religion that is based on dogmatic religious belief systems. This is not the real natural order. This is not what nature does. This is chaos. This is the state of chaos. It's the exact opposite of order. Things, everything eating everything else. That's chaos, ladies and gentlemen. And that's chaos that we have created by not saying no to this condition. This is a condition. It's not the natural order. It's not nature. There's a difference between the human condition and human nature. We've talked about that ad infinitum on past shows. This scene does not depict nature or the quote-unquote natural order as people envision it in their minds. Rather, what it depicts is the chaos that we have created for ourselves, the chaos that we have chosen through our behaviors and through our false belief systems. And we have created that chaos for ourselves. We've chosen it for ourselves. By staying in that role, and I'm talking I'm on image number 11 now, I'll try to be better about stating the images. I always get ahead of myself in that regard and forget to state which image I am on. But if you're following the slideshow, this is slide number 11. And again, the images can always be found for those who may just be tuning in at the whatonearthishappening.com website, radio show tab, underneath the player for, t for the show. It'll be, uh, the, the uh, caption will say images for today's show. You can click on one of the numbered images, it will bring up a slideshow. And you can jump to any image you want from that point. We're on image number 11. Also, these images, again, are posted with the podcast. Uh, so if you're on the podcast page, you'll see related images, and you could also get them from there. All of these images are also downloadable, so you could download them and maintain an offline copy if you so choose. All right. The middle fish in this image, as I said last week, is humanity. But this is our condition. It's not the way it must always be. You know, that would be the definition of permanent hell, never being able to change your condition. And that isn't the case. We are capable of changing our condition. See, it's part of poisoned worldview to think we can never change anything. And that it just always has been this way and always must be this way. That is a diseased psyche. It is a diseased worldview, if that's your take on what's going on. And I, I really feel bad for anybody in that state of consciousness. I feel terribly sad for them because they've already given up hope. And really, there's no way they could affect any positive change, you know, until they abandon that. That's why worldview healing was the very first solution. It wasn't way down near the, bo the bottom of the solutions. It's the top. Unless you can do that, you're done. You're not involved in the solution unless you can heal worldview. You have to look at what is true nature, what is the real natural order, instead of this nonsensical Darwinian view that most people have. You have to look at what is the real value of the individual, and you have to look at what is the real possibility for change. And be honest about all of those things. Not stay, stay attached to a dogmatic religion or belief system about those aspects of life. 
And until you heal worldview and, and, and stop taking that poisonous worldview that we're just animals, so what's the difference what we do, you know? Also, oh, this is just the natural order. That's nature. That's human nature, and that's the nature of things. And no, it is not. It's, you're fundamentally wrong. You're, you're working off a completely flawed axiom. Understand what an axiom is. An idea you're basing a foundational ideology on top of. It's your foundation. And if that's broken, the house that you're building will, on top of it will be a house of cards. People are building entire belief structures on top of fundamentally flawed axioms. Belief systems which they've held dogmatically for no reason other than it's been repeated to them ad infinitum, endlessly by people who they think are authorities or experts on the topics instead of really looking into it for themselves and seeing what really is there. And those people's psyches are broken as a result, folks. They're broken beings because they've accepted this totally poisonous, vile worldview. And this is one of them. The idea that, that this image depicts human nature instead of the law of correspondence based upon our willing choices that are creating conditions that we must experience in reality. That's what this image depicts. That's what the law of correspondence is stating. Not that things must eternally be this way. That that's a condition that's created that's generated, the generative principle goes hand in hand with the law of correspondence. We are generating or creating these conditions through our behaviors. And as humans, we are held to a higher standard of knowledge. We are capable of understanding cosmic spiritual law or natural law. We are capable of grasping the laws of the consequences of behavior. So this middle fish in this image on number 11 will be humanity. It doesn't have to be, but it will be for as long as we continue to engage in such fundamentally flawed ideological axioms, such as carnism, as just one of them. There are many, many others, of course. In general, the aggression principle, the aggression ideology in general, as long as we continue to engage in fundamentally flawed ideologies such as that, that aggression is okay to continue to do and support by proxy. As long as we engage in these fundamentally flawed ideologies, we will be that fish getting devoured. Yeah, maybe devouring some others that are below us, quote unquote below us, you know, that we view as being below us, but ultimately we'll be getting eaten at the same time. And I told people last week on this show, humanity is being eaten. We are being eaten as a result of our ideological practices. That's how the law of correspondence goes to work to bring us justice. The universe is a perfect machine of justice. And humanity is getting exactly what it needs, what it must experience, based on where our thoughts, emotions, and actions are at. And that will be our condition 
until the day we change those modalities of consciousness, our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. When they change, the law of correspondence will spring into effect and bring us a different manifested, manif manifested result, a different manifestation. But not a second before, we will continue to get what we've always gotten because we're continuing to do what we've always done. When we change that, the external reality, the external manifestation, manifestation will also change. So I started reading from the essay, Vegetarian, Vegetarianism and Occultism by C.W. Leadbeater last week. And I didn't get quite to finish that. We were talking about the occult reasons for ceasing the practice of carnism. And I want to finish that reading because we got into the second section where he started transitioning away from, you know, some of the occult reasons we shouldn't do this for our own benefit. But there are also occult reasons, meaning hidden reasons, reasons based upon hidden knowledge, the knowledge of hidden laws of nature, which is what this show is all about. The laws of behavioral consequence, as I call them, or simply natural law, cosmic spiritual law, universal spiritual law is what we're talking about. Again, it needs to be clarified because when you use the term natural, that has a totally hijacked connotation in most people's minds because they've been hammered from their birth with this concept of Darwinism relating to the natural order when it has no such bearing, it has no such connection. So I want to continue reading this document to the end of it. This is vegetarian, Vegetarianism and Occultism. By C.W. Leadbeater, we're at near the end of the document. I want to pick up from the section called Man's Duty Toward Nature. Then I'm going to read the sections Ghastly Unseen Results and The Better Time to Come. So, quote, Then there is the far more important unselfish side of the question, that of man's duty toward nature. Every religion has taught that man should put himself always on the side of the will of God in this world, on the side of good against evil, of evolution against retrogression. The man who changes himself on the side of evolution realizes the wickedness of destroying life, for he knows that just as he is here in this physical body in order that he may learn the lessons of this plane, so is the animal occupying his body for the same reason, that through it he may gain experience at his lower stage. He knows that the life behind the animal is the divine life, that all life in this world is divine, that animals therefore, therefore are truly our brothers, even though they may be younger brothers, and we can have no sort of right to take their lives for the gratification of our perverted tastes. No right to cause them untold agony and suffering merely to satisfy our degraded and detestable lusts. Very strong words there by Leadbeater, and I concur. It is our greed, our selfish interest, our attachment that makes us continue this practice. There is no other need for it. It is not a necessity, as we covered two weeks ago. We 
absolutely destroyed the natural, normal, natural, necessary argument right here on this show and gave tons of supportive evidence to that fact. Continuing to quote Leadbeater, quote, we have brought things to su- such a pass with our miscalled, quote, sport and our wholesale slaughterings that all wild creatures fly from the sight of us. Does that seem like the universal brotherhood of God's creatures? Is that your idea of the golden age of worldwide kindliness that is to come? A condition when every living thing flies from the face of man because of his murderous instincts? There is an influence flowing back upon us from all this, an effect which you can hardly realize unless you are able to see how it looks when regarded with the sight of the higher plane, the occult plane, in other words, the unseen, the difficult to see. Continuing, every one of these creatures which you so ruthlessly murder in this way has its own thoughts and feelings with regard to all this. It has horror, pain, and indignation, and an intense but unexpressed feeling of the hideous injustice of it all. The whole atmosphere about us is full of it. Twice lately I have heard from psychic people that they felt the awful aura of the surroundings of Chicago, even when many miles away from it. Mrs. Besant herself told me the same thing years ago in England, that long before she came In the sight of Chicago, she felt the horror of it and the deadly pall of depression descending upon her and asked, where are we and what is the reason that there should be this terrible feeling in the air? To sense this effect as clearly as this is beyond the reach of the person who is not developed. But though all the inhabitants may not be directly conscious of it and recognize it as Mrs. Besant did, they may be sure that they are suffering from it unconsciously and that the terrible vibration of horror and fear and injustice is acting upon every one of them even though they do not know it. In other words, our practices toward animals are affecting the field of consciousness the interconnected field of energy in which we all are living. We're not separate from that vibratory energetic field. And whether we're conscious of it or unconscious of it, it is having an effect upon our wellness, upon upon our well-being, and ultimately upon the conditions that we are living with, that we are living in, that are affecting us every day on a day-to-day basis. We're part of that dynamic. We are driving that dynamic through our behavior. The next section is called Ghastly Unseen Results. Quote, The feeling of nervousness and profound depression which are so common there are largely due to that awful influence which spreads over the city like a plague cloud. I do not know how many thousands of creatures are killed every day, but the number is very large. Remember that one, that every one of these creatures is a definite entity, not a permanent reincarnating individuality like yours or mine, but still an entity which has its life upon the astral plane and persists there for a considerable time. 
Remember that every one of these remains to pour out his feelings of indignation and horror at the injustice and torment which has been inflicted upon him. Realize for yourself the terrible atmosphere which exists about those slaughterhouses. Remember that a clairvoyant can see the vast hosts of animal souls, that he knows how strong are their feelings of horror and resentment, and how these recoil at all points upon the human race. They react most of all upon those who are least able to resist them, upon the children who are more delicate and sensitive than the hardened adult. That city is a terrible place in which to bring up children, a place where the whole atmosphere, both physical and psychic, is charged with fumes of blood and with all that that means. And Leadbeater is talking about the city of Chicago back at the turn of the century, which was the biggest uh, meat production facility in, in the entire country and probably still is. Continuing, quote, I read an article only the other day in which it was explained that the nauseating stench which rises from those Chicago slaughterhouses and settles like a fatal miasma over the city is by no means the most deadly influence that comes up from that Christian hell for animals, though it is the breath of certain death to many a mother's darling. The slaughterhouses make not only a pest hole for the bodies of children, but for their souls as well. Not only are the children employed in the most revolting and cruel work, but the whole trend of their thoughts is directed toward killing. Occasionally, one is found too sensitive to endure the sights and sounds of that ceaseless, awful battle between, between man's cruel lust and the inalienable right of every creature to its own life. It's all about the principle of ownership, folks. Don't take what you don't own. It's not your life to take from that animal. It is their life. They own their life. That is their right, as Leadbeater says. The right, the inalienable right of every creature to its own life. I read how one boy, continuing to quote, I read how one boy, from whom a minister had secured a place in the slaughterhouse, returned home day after day, pale and sick and unable to eat or sleep. And again, I guess this is even before some, you know, child labor laws and the children were put to work in these slaughterhouses back then. It, it's horrific. Continuing, he was uh, day after day, pale and sick, unable to eat or sleep, and finally came to that minister of the gospel of the compassionate Christ and told him that he was willing to starve if necessary, but that he could not wade in blood another day. The horrors of the slaughter had so affected him that he could no longer sleep. Yet this is what many a boy is doing and seeing from day to day until he becomes hardened to the taking of life. And then someday, instead of cutting the throat of a lamb or a pig, he kills a man. And straight away we turn our lust for slaughter upon him and think that we have done justice. I read that a young woman who does much philanthropic work in the neighborhood of these pest houses declares that, what most impresses her about the children is that they seem to have no games except games of killing. That they have no conception of any relation to animals except the relation of the slaughterer to the victim. This is the education which so-called Christians are giving to the children of the slaughterhouse. A daily education in murder. And then they express surprise at the number and brutality of the murders in that district. 
yet your Christian public goes on serenely saying its prayers and singing its psalms and listening to its sermons as if no such outrages were being perpetrated against God's children in that sinkhole of pestilence and crime. Surely the habit of eating dead flesh has produced a moral apathy among us. A moral apathy among us. Are you doing well, do you think, in rearing your future citizens among surroundings of such utter brutality as this? Even on the physical plane, this is a terribly serious matter. And from the occult point of view, it is unfortunately far more serious still. For the occultist sees the psychic results of all this, sees how these forces are acting upon the people and how they intensify brutality and unscrupulousness. He sees what a center of vice and crime you have created and how from it the infection is gradually spreading until it affects the whole country and even the whole of what is called civilized humanity. And I'll jump in there and say, exactly. This is affecting the entire morphic field of consciousness that we are a part of. You engage in these practices, they do not stay where they are at. And just because you try to hide them and erect huge walls and and fences, that doesn't mean that that energy isn't going beyond that area just because people aren't seeing it. If you want to really see what these practices are, and I guarantee you what you're even seeing there is not even the worst of it by any stretch of the imagination, watch the movie Earthlings. Watch it all the way through. Try to watch it through without looking away from the screen. And I'll bet you can't even do it. Most people don't have the stomach to do it. I congratulate someone who has the stomach to even sit through the entire thing. You have a strong constitution. And it should affect you negatively. That's what it's designed to do. And it's doing a good job of it, that documentary. It should make you feel sick. Because that's the energy we're all taking in as a result of these practices. And you think that that's going to build a good body and brain? Please. Continuing with the document. Quote, The world is being affected by it in many ways which most people do not in the least realize. There are constant feelings of causeless terror in the air. Many of your children are unnecessarily and inexplicably inexplicably afraid. They feel terror of they know not what, terror of the dark, or when they are alone for a few moments. Strong forces are playing about us for which you cannot account. And you do not realize that this all comes from the fact that the whole atmosphere is charged with the hostility of these murdered creatures. The stages of evolution are closely interrelated. And you cannot do wholesale murder in this way upon your younger brothers without feeling the effect terribly among your own innocent children. Surely a better time shall come. When we shall be free from this horrible blot upon our civilization, this awful reproach upon our compassion and our sympathy. And when that comes, we shall find presently that there will be a vast improvement in these matters. And by degrees, we shall all rise to a higher level and be freed from all these instinctive terrors and hatreds. The better time to come. 
We might all be freed from it very soon if men and women would only think. For the average man is not, after all, a brute, but means to be kind if he only knew how. He does not think. Let me repeat that again. He does not think. He goes on from day to day and does not realize that he is taking part all the time in an awful crime. But facts are facts, and there is no escape from them. Everyone who is partaking of this abomination is helping to make this appalling thing a possibility and undoubtedly shares the responsibility for it. You know that this is so. You know that this is so. And you can see what a terrible thing it is, but you will say, what can we do to improve matters? We who are only tiny units in this mighty seething mass of humanity. It is only by units rising above the rest and becoming more civilized that we shall finally arrive at a higher civilization of the race as a whole. Let me read that sentence again, folks, because that's probably the most important sentence in this essay. It is only by units rising above the rest and becoming more civilized that we shall finally arrive at a higher civilization of the race as a whole. The quantum effect that I've been talking about, that many people have been talking about, it doesn't matter if you don't perceive that a lot of other people are doing it. it eventually, as individual units change themselves, a quantum effect will be built up as that amount rises and it will eventually spill over to the whole. It is about numbers, but we need to get to that critical mass number when this becomes common sense knowledge. Our consciousness being elevated by desisting in such murderous practices, just you know, lifting our own consciousness up will be an influence in the whole field of consciousness for the totality of the all. Continuing, the quote, there is a golden age to come, not only for man, but for the lower kingdoms, a time when humanity will realize its duty to its younger brothers, not to destroy them, but to help them and train them so that we may receive from them not terror and hatred, but love and devotion and friendship and reasonable cooperation. A time will come when all the forces of nature shall be intelligently working together towards the final end, not with constant suspicion and hostility, but with universal recognition of that brotherhood which is ours because we are all children of the same Almighty Father. Let us at least make the experiment. Let us free ourselves from complicity in these awful crimes. Let us set ourselves to try. Now that's like that I called that on the show uh, breaking in just for a moment. I called that phrase on the show on Rosicrucianism that I did with Bob from Cincinnati on occult empire. That's the ultimate Rosicrucian commandment. Try. We must try to improve ourselves, engage the will to make ourselves better than we were the day before. 
If we're doing that, no one can fault us. Let us, continuing, quote, let us set ourselves to try, each in our own small circle, to bring nearer that bright time of peace and love, which is the dream and the earnest desire of every true-hearted and thinking man. At least we ought surely to be willing to do a small thing as this, so small a thing as this, to help the world onward toward that glorious future. We ought to make ourselves pure, our thoughts and our actions, as well as our food, so that by example, as well as by precept, we may all be doing, we may be doing all that in us lies to spread the gospel of love and compassion. To put an end to the reign of brutality and terror and to bring nearer the dawn of the great kingdom of righteousness and love when the will of our Father shall be done upon the earth as it is in heaven. And I mean, that is just so profoundly powerful that I think it just speaks for itself and nothing else really needs to be said on this topic. I mean, that is, I'm going to wrap up right there, the, the topic of carnism. People should read that entire document, Vegetarianism, Vegetarianism and Occultism by C.W. Leadbeater, and really contemplate it, really reflect upon it, because it says everything that needs to be said. It says it all when it comes to this. And I think... Um, We'll pause there for this brief two-minute break, and on the other side, for the next hour, we'll be talking about women's role in the non-supportive dominators, and specific things that women can do to help to influence men in their lives to cease and desist these immoral practices. Be right back after this brief two-minute break, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Stay with us. All right, everyone, we're back. This is the second hour of What on Earth is Happening. Today is Sunday, September 2nd, 2012. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. For the second hour, I'm going to transition the subject matter, and we're going to begin another uh, subsection, the final subsection, in the non-support of dominators solution. This is part of our solutions section that I call the way out in which I present 10 overarching um, solution-oriented approaches to the problems that humanity is facing in consciousness. Now, we've been talking about um, domination. We've been talking about how people are under the erroneous impression that they own the lives and rights of other beings. That's what this is all ultimately about. That's what this entire planet, that's what the, the, the people are on this planet to learn this lesson. That's what all the souls who come here are for. That's what they're here for, to learn 
what you own and what you do not own. That you own your life, your liberty, and that you're not to take the life, liberty, and property of others. Don't steal, in other words. When people ask me, how can I boil natural law down to its primary essence, I can do it real easy. In two words, don't steal. Theft is the ultimate transgression in different forms against the laws of nature. All natural law transgressions boil down to a form of theft. Murder, rape, theft, trespass. Murder, the theft of other lives. And, you know, attempted murder, assault, etc. You're attempting to take the life and well-being of another and that's not yours to take. Rape, theft of someone's freedom to associate sexually with who they will. You're taking that. You have no right to take that freedom of association. Theft of property, taking physical things someone else is using. Trespass, the theft of someone's security within their own lair. You have no right to take that from them. Ultimately, it's all theft. The theft of someone else's rights is something we're most certainly here to learn. And that's problematic for most people because they cannot understand the ideological, the philosophical principles upon which the non-aggression way of being in the world is based. They, can't, they don't understand, deeply understand self-ownership. They don't understand the illusion of authority. They've bought and are attached to these notions. And they're all illusory. They're all based on a poisoned worldview and religious thinking. Believing in something that isn't true. Believing in something that is not based on nature, not based on that which is, that's what truth is. It's simply the way things are. Looking at it honestly and coming to an accurate understanding of it, that's what the process of the discovery of truth is. And unfortunately, people are so diseased in the mind there's a disease of the mind and the soul and the body too through all the poisons that people take into their body. We poison the morphic field of energy all around us and therefore we can't see clearly regarding these rights. In the last document I read, Leadbeater defined what occultism was at the beginning of the document. He said, how shall we define occultism? The, wor the word is derived from the Latin occultus, meaning hidden, so that it is the study of the hidden laws of nature. Not the hidden suggestions of nature, not the hidden opinions of nature, the hidden laws of nature. Binding conditions. Binding conditions. They are self-existing. They are binding and they are immutable. They cannot be changed. We have to, wisdom is understanding what actually can be changed and what cannot be changed. That's part of wisdom. That's part of discernment. And I would say that's discernment. That's knowledge. That's understanding. And then wisdom is putting that into practice in your life such that your behaviors are not displaying contradictions with that knowledge.
So a, a, a great definition that uh, Leadbeater gives of what is the study of the occult. People still have a lack of understanding of this. And they still think that this isn't the most important knowledge to grasp and to take into oneself. Because they're still thinking in religious terms. Being told, oh, this information is somehow evil. And that's the only connotation you see it through. This information is knowledge of truth about how the laws of nature operate to bring us the experiences that we've ultimately chosen for ourselves through our behavior. So I call them the laws of the consequences of our behavioral choices. Na that's what natural law is. Get over this hijacked notion of the term natural and understand what it really means. It is inherent to creation. It is that which does exist. So, Leadbeater said that the word is derived from the Latin occultus, meaning hidden, so that what occultism is, is the study of the hidden laws of nature. Since all of the great laws of nature are in fact working in the invisible world far more than in the visible, they're unseen in other words, they're not readily seen, you have to make a true study of them through looking at their consequences, their manifestations in order to really come to know and understand them, okay? Quote, occultism involves the acceptance of a much wider view of nature than that which is ordinarily taken. The occultist then, this is what an occultist actually is. Listen up, folks. Understand what occultism and an occultist actually is. An occultist, then, is a man or a woman who studies all the laws of nature that he can reach or of which he can hear. So what you can come to an understanding of through your own direct experience or through someone else sharing their experience secondarily and you, you know, trying attempting to verify their experiences of it through what they have written or expressed through word. That's what a, the occultist is. And as a result of his study, he identifies himself with these laws and devotes his life to the service of evolution. Because the only way we really evolve is by coming into harmony with these hidden laws. And this is what most people on this planet, in their ignorance and ego, absolutely refuse to accept that these laws are in existence, that they are bound by them, and that these laws are not changeable by man. This is because we're largely trapped in a completely masculine-dominant society, a masculine-dominant form of energy in which we are bathing, and a masculine-dominant ideology a mental and psychological framework that is completely imbalanced to the masculine and it lacks the presence of the sacred feminine qualities. That's one of the reasons we can't come to grasp natural law. People who have a hard time with that concept are so imbalanced toward the left brain. They're not in a state of good mental and psychological health, regardless of what they would claim or even what modern science might even claim regarding them. When it comes to the higher level knowledge about how the human psyche operates, 
and the real health regarding the human mind and body and spirit, the people who cannot grasp what I just laid out regarding natural law are seriously debilitated. They are in a state of ill health when it comes to the psyche because their actual physical brain is imbalanced toward the left brain hemisphere. This has to do with physical brain health, which has to do with energy that you're putting into your body through food, through water, through your emotional makeup, through the practices that you engage in on a day-to-day -day basis. And this is why so many people can't see the simple basic truth about how aggression and violence is wrong. And the answer is to live non-violently, not to take that which by force, by coercion, that which does not belong to us. And that's what the entire crux, the entire root of the problem that we're facing here on earth is all about. It, ca I, it cannot be stated much simpler than that. If people still don't understand that that's what the problem humanity is embedded in and it's putting them into deeper and deeper bondage and chains and enslavement, they don't understand anything. They have not yet gotten to the, the root fundamental causal factors that are driving the dynamic here on earth resulting in their enslavement. And again, that's because there's an imbalance toward the masculine energies and the sacred feminine qualities of the individual have been really left to the wayside and are not being focused on and are not being engaged in and are not being built back to a level of health. So when we talk about what women's role can be, we have to understand what we're really talking about is physical gender when we talk about women versus men females versus males in the physical gender of a species and I'm I am addressing physical gender here today not just what would be called mental or spiritual gender which is what I've been talking about when I talk about the masculine qualities versus the feminine qualities that exist in every individual so we need to make that distinction clear first there is physical gender male and female, then there is what is known as mental, psychological, or spiritual gender, which has to do with qualities that are existing within every individual. And that, I would use the term masculine and feminine to describe, not male and female. And again, the problem is that the masculine is dominating and the feminine is not really engaged in, in any level of depth. In other words, the spirit aspect of the mind-body-spirit is lacking. That's what the feminine energy or the feminine principle is all about, our spiritual lives. It is the nurturing qualities, the intuitive qualities, the creative qualities that exist within us. And the focus, again, is taken off of these in modern culture, especially in dominator institutions. So what I'm going to talk about here today is kind of a review of the entire section on the non-support of dominators. 
and I'm starting with image number 12, we're actually talking about physical gender as well today. How women, specifically the female of our species, can play a significant role, step into a powerful and empowering position in all of society to help dissuade the men in their lives from continuing the practice of domination and enslavement of others and the stealing of, the, of other people's natural inherent rights. Women can have a powerful influence in this regard. All of the roles that they play in society as mothers, as sisters, as wives, okay? We are all in some form or another powerfully engaged with and influenced by the women in our lives. And I would say the primary role is the role of motherhood. Influencing the makeup of a child is such a powerful responsibility, specifically when it comes to a women's role as a, as a parent, women's role as parents. And of course, I'm not taking anything away from the family dynamic of mother, father, and child. What I am, and I'm, that dynamic is quite under attack as well by cultural Marxism and forces that are really trying to break down that family dynamic in order to bring us into a totalitarian system because when there is that dynamic present there's a more of a vehicle and an opportunity to teach morality to the child because a a more stable foundational uh, structure being that family is is present and it's a more nurturing environment now I'm not totally defending all aspects of family life there's hardships to come with that there's a lot of um, uh, imbalances and neuroses depending on the respective imbalances and neuroses of the individuals within a family largely talking about the parents in that regard because they're the ones who are driving the family dynamic but specifically to go back to the women's role in how they can help shape and influence the mind of the of the men around them the first and most important way they, they can do that is in their role as a mother by learning the principles of non-aggression, non-violence, the absolute illusion of authority, and then communicating that deeply to their child. One of the ways they can actually practically engage in that is through home homeschooling, if it is possible for them to engage in that. Because putting your child into a government indoctrination camp is ultimately going to result in some form of mind control. At least in a homeschooled environment, a mother and a father can convey moral lessons to their children without the state stopping that from occurring. And, you know, you could teach them the curriculum that they need to pass the classes and everything, but the whole point is here, you'll also really have an opportunity to be around them for a significant portion of the day so that you can convey accurate understandings about moral law to them. And see, this is the problem which is missing. 
This is one of the biggest dynamics that's missing because most people just ship their children right off to a government indoctrination center where there are no values taught. The only values are adherence and obedience to the state. That's what's taught in government indoctrination centers. Total and complete complicity with the authority of the state. And a child, no matter how much the influence might be good at home, if they're put around that for six, seven, eight hours a day or longer, it's going to have an influence on their mind and the way that they think and their worldview. So the only way you can really truly control that or have a better effect upon that is not putting them in these schools to begin with. And that's a severe a dedication, a dedicational act, a devotional act, an act of love. That's, it's not easy to do that. I'm not a parent, but I understand what would be required in order to take on that role of being a, uh, a teacher to a child every day. I look at it like it's hard enough coming on here once a week and doing a two-hour program and giving uh, you know speeches and presentations out in the world, but to have uh, a young influence that's uh, a young uh, mind that's your responsibility to guide and shape on an everyday basis is an absolute incredibly huge responsibility and one that's sacred. So that's the first way that women can get involved in this. See, I put an image of a woman being nurturing to a man on image number 12 and just being supportive. We have to understand what the non-support of a dominator really means. What it ultimately means is being supportive of the true self, the true being that is underneath the ego role, you know, the identified role that a man plays in whatever institution he identif identifies himself as being a part of. So it isn't supporting the soldier. It isn't supporting the policeman. It isn't supporting the government employee or the politician. It would be not supporting that role so you would ultimately be coming into the support of the true being that is buried by the identification with that institutional role. See, this you have to go back to the shows I did on ego identification. Total attachment to the roles that we play in society. This is what an aware woman would be trying to help her uh, the man in her life get out of, whether it be her son, her father, her husband, her brother, any, any man that she has a close affinity with, an association with. So image number 13 is the exact opposite of what we're talking about. We're not talking about supporting what a man is continuing to do that he should not be doing that's ultimately based in domination and, and the aggression principle. So this image of supporting the troops, you know, wearing your little ribbon or your button and waving your, your placard signs to say our family supports our soldier and keep our promises to whatever country we happen to be bombing this week or this month is the exact opposite and wrong notion to be thinking of when I'm talking about helping to support a male by not supporting their role as a dominator. Image 13 depicts the wrong way of going about it, which most people think of as, 
oh, I want to support, you know, the person in this role. The object here is to try to take the real being back because they've been stolen. The real essence of the being is gone if they're identified in the, their roles as police and military. And as we said, police and military are ultimately the construction workers who are building the world of enslavement. Whether you want to believe that or accept that or not is, is up to you. That's the truth. There are architects of this plan, most certainly. There are dark occult architects, but they're not the person who are actually doing the work to build the enslavement society, the police state society. The people who are actually doing the physical tasks on a day-to-day -day basis to build that world of enslavement are the police and the military. And there is no refutation that can be offered to deny that. It is the case, that is the fact of the matter. So one of the first things women need to do is to get over if they want to step into this powerful transformative role, which I would say is their birthright as women, as females, who are embodiments of the sacred feminine energy. One of the things that they must do if they want to step into that role in a powerful way, in a, in a powerful, powerful and influential way, is to themselves become extracted, to extract themselves from the dynamic of emotional mind control. And that can be difficult for many women to do because they so powerfully embody that sacred feminine energy and quality. When the emotions become hyper-dominant, and this can happen particularly in the female gender, a lot of times people can go into the opposite level of imbalance, the imbalance toward the feminine instead of the masculine. And imbalance toward that, that feminine often results in this dynamic that I've talked about on the show in the past called emotional mind control. This is identifying with the emotions that one feels when they are around a person who is playing a specific role in their lives. So in other words, a woman who is a daughter to a man, okay, the man's her father, and he's a police officer. And he's going and he's working and he's abusing people's rights on a day-to-day -day basis, even unknowingly, unconsciously. He thinks he's doing the right thing, but every day in his role as a police officer, he is engaged with evil because he is engaged in the aggression ideology. And he's ultimately helping to destroy rights, thinking that he's doing something that is good. Well, so a woman who's under emotional mind control cannot clearly see that dynamic because they're identified fully with the role of that male as a father figure to them. So she's seeing daddy, she's seeing the, the provider of the family, she's seeing the guy who goes out and plays with her and, you know, takes her to different places and buys her, you know, uh, meals and, and, you know, gives her desserts and, you know, spends time with her with her mother and, you know, has a great time in his role as a father. So she's identified with that role emotionally. And that's blinding her from pulling back from her closeness with him in that particular role and seeing clearly the abuses 
and the wrongs that he is doing in his role as a dominator. So if someone's still under this level of emotional mind control, oh, my brother is involved in this, my father is involved in this, my son does this job, and therefore he can't be bad because he's identified with me and I love him and you know he can't be a bad person. This is emotional mind control. And this is the first thing one has to get over. One has to see the truth as it is and stop identifying with the role because then with the role that you are emotionally tied to with that other person because then all you're seeing is them as a good person and you're, you're not being honest. You're not looking at the situation objectively. You're just feeling the situation. And conscience is not about feeling. Conscience is ultimately about knowledge. It's about knowing definitively the objective differences between right action and wrong action. And then the exercise of conscience is willfully choosing the right action over the wrong. Someone in emotional mind control cannot do that effectively because, again, they're attached to the role. It's part of ego identification. It's part of the healing of worldview, getting out of that ego identification. It's one of these emotional mind control and ego identification are what we talked about as barriers to the awakening to the true self. And if you're still in that lower sense identification, you're not really going to have much of an influence and an effect. So really what we're starting with is you have to wake yourself up first, obviously. You have to wake yourself up fully and really know natural law, know the difference and be able to articulate it as well. You need to know the difference between right and wrong and be able to effectively communicate that. So I would say in, in acting as an influence, you have to have your knowledge be on point and have woken up yourself in regards to true conscience and to natural law. And then you should work on your communicative abilities such that you can verbally carry that information to other people in an effective way. And if you're in emotional mind control, you're not going to be able to do that effectively. You have to understand that the men that we're talking about, and let's face it, the, the dominator of society is male driven. Again, physical gender plays a big role here. <coughs> Excuse me. Physical gender does play a role in this regard. Men happen to be the stronger physically of the, the, the two genders of, of humanity. Therefore, they're the ones who are most employed in the task of domination in these different institutions that employ domination. And slide number 15 shows ultimately men are the creators of the dark new world order. These are the people who are actually building the prison planet. They're building the prison society. Again, they're not the architects. They're, they're following the orders of the architects, often unconsciously and unknowingly. And as we saw on a previous show, they're often themselves trapped in what is known as the abuse victim cycle. This is a cycle of psychological, physical trauma. <clears throat> this chart in image number 16 shows how this cycle works and perpetuates itself unless someone finally steps in and breaks the chain and breaks the cycle through applied knowledge, care, and willpower. 
And they don't have to do that alone. That's, again, women's role can be coming in and helping with the healing of this psychological and physical trauma in the, the lives of the men who they are around. So that's part of it. If you have, you have to understand the abuse victim cycle and you have to see signs of it and, and talk through it with the person. Now, you have to have a deep understanding of the psyche and what is going on in the individual's life. So conversation is a gigantic part of this dynamic. And again, to converse means to change together. Con in Latin means together or with, and versare means to change. So by conversing, you're changing together. You're helping that being work through the problem because guaranteed, guaranteed 100%, there will be abuse, victimization. That cycle will be present in the li life of the dominator. Invariably, unquestioningly, guaranteed. Because if it wasn't, they wouldn't be acting the way they're acting. Or they would have already healed from it, you know, and they're, they're currently not acting that way because maybe they did experience that and now they're healed. And it is possible to heal from that kind of trauma. But you need to go and do the homework yourself and understand how this dynamic works within the psyche. You can go back and, you know, I scratched the surface of it, talking about the abuse victim cycle here on a former podcast. But you need to really do your own due diligence and do your own homework and really look into these psychological dynamics for yourself in a big way. Ultimately, what you're trying to get the being that you're working with past is the notion that since I have suffered, therefore I need to cause suffering for others. And that's what all ultimately is nestled and held deep in the psyche and in the subconscious of everybody who's doing the work of a dominator. Everyone. No, invariably, as I've said, bar none, blanket statement, yes. This is 100% of the people engaged in this have have deep in their psyche, this notion, since I have suffered, I must cause suffering. And I said on the show in the past, when I talked about that slide, which is uh, presented here as slide number 17, that is the total mindset of a slave. That is the slave mindset. That is the mindset that will keep you a slave eternally. And image number 18 shows what you really are. If that's the mindset you have. You are a prisoner yourself. You are, you are actually willfully, by holding on to that attached mindset, keeping yourself in a cage. Maybe not even realizing it consciously. And what you're really doing is you're preventing the development of true respect for yourself. Because no one who's developed a true level of self-respect continues to hold on to an attachment like that. That, oh, since I've suffered in my past, I need to keep that going. You know, this is all I know. And I just want to make other people feel the way I do about myself. Ultimately, it means you have no self-respect to perpetuate that cycle. You can't really like yourself to want to continue to do that. It isn't possible. So part of a, a, a woman's role in this regard how they can be a powerful influence in this regard is to be supportive in the process of extracting what that trauma was. 
That's where the sacred feminine nurturing energy comes into play. You need to really hear what's being said by that individual. And again, I'm not just saying women can do this. Please don't uh, confuse what I'm saying here. I'm saying specifically women can step up into this role. They already have a, very much inherently that sacred feminine energy present and have that nurturing quality, that nurturing side, many of them. Again, that isn't to say the masculine form of imbalance isn't present in women either as far as gender goes. So you have to understand it's a complicated dynamic and I'm not saying that men cannot step up into this role as well. But specifically, we're looking how women in their uh, societal roles with men can help to be a big influence in that regard because they are their mothers and their wives. Men are very apt and willing to listen to the advice and the um, opinions of the women who are important to them in their lives, at least if they're not a total jerk and a total you know, egoic-driven mind that is really just cut off from everything else. But, you know, I think if, if mothers really started telling their, their children, uh, their male children, some of these dynamics because they understood it from a deep perspective themselves, I think there would be some receptiveness on their part. And that's part of the problem is not enough women have really stepped forward into this knowledge in a very deep capacity. You even look in the truth movement, it's so... Um, dominated by men who are speakers and communicators of this information. I mean, there, and that is not to say that there aren't many women in it, but it's a skewed um, dynamic number-wise. You know, it's a, a very skewed ratio of men to women in the, uh, in the alternative research and alternative media community that's attempting to convey this knowledge. So it's bottom line about helping the person to redevelop true self-respect. You're taking the person out of that dominator mindset by helping them to really engage the self and look at what made them hold certain opinions, what made them hold certain ideological points of view. You get down to the bottom line essence of that and you will find pain, you will find trauma, you will find suffering. And I'm not, I'm, I'm saying that as a blanket statement. It is going to be 100% true 100% of the time. That's what you'll find when you start peeling back the layers of that psychological onion. You will find trauma and pain. And that's what they're holding on to. They're attached to that in some respect. And therefore, they're not really taking another look at it. They want to bury that and suppress it. This is all suppressed emotion. When you suppress the emotions, you're suppressing the sacred feminine energy. And this is what all of these men are doing. And that's the, the expression is the lashing out violently against others because they're not dealing with something that's going on traumatically within. And so the, the development of respect is a process of doing that internal work. You don't have to do it alone. You could do it with someone else. That's why I suggest women step up and take on that responsibility. And I'm not saying just women do that. I'm saying women can have the most profound and powerful effect and influence in that role. I think they can have a better influence than men if they were to um, fully take that on, if they were to own that dynamic, if they were to own that um, responsibility 
and step into it in a big way, in a full expression. I, I think they could be better at it than any man could because of certain inherent qualities and characteristics the female persuasion of our species do inherently have. Respect, again, in Latin means to take another look at, if we do the etym etymology of the word. Re, in Latin, means again. And spectare means to, to look at. So we're helping them to do introspective work to take another look at what's going on inside of them. And it's not just understanding things that are going on within, it's also looking at things that are objective, that are inherent to all of nature. It's then helping them to understand what rights are. The objective difference between right and wrong, which is not set or made by man, which is part of the underlying aspects of all of creation. The creator put right and wrong, set the laws of right and wrong in place. Man did not. It is up to man to make that discovery so that he can bring his behavior into alignment with those laws and stop creating self-inflicted suffering for himself. And anybody in the position of dominator doesn't understand that. They have not yet really fully received that knowledge, or even if it's been around them, they've rejected it for some reason because of these psychological imbalances, often food imbalances. Another part of the, the role that a woman can play in helping to achieve balance and higher consciousness is getting the men in your lives to eat better and stop eating polluted poison food because it, it has every much everything to do with what you're putting into your physical body as much as it does what you're putting into your body through mental food, into your makeup through mental food. So the physical food can't be ignored either. And that's something that I just wanted to touch on briefly. Women can help with the shopping and the uh, uh, pr preparation of meals, and men can do that too. But to be an influence, a lot of men don't want to think about that. They want to eat whatever they want. You know, it's that... That animalistic quality, that that man masculine side of things, it's just, oh, I, I can I can eat this and take it and it won't have any effect, you know? A lot of men think like that. Women have to try to bridge that and be a balance to that and play the nurturing uh, role in helping to influence a better diet. Very significant. Because what we eat is going to become the makeup and comprise our body, our brain, and then ultimately our mind. And that's going to influence behaviors. And we talked about this extensively on the sections on food on this show. Carnism is another big aspect of that, you know, helping the man to understand the suffering that this is creating. And they're a part of that. They are not only engaged in it by proxy or even directly if they're, you know, engaged in the practice of slaughtering these animals in slaughterhouses, but uh, indirectly they're being affected by it through ta the taking in of that food and the taking in of that energy of suffering. 
what we're trying to help communicate here to the victim, to the person who really is you're reaching out to to try to help transmute and transform into some something better than what they are currently, is an understanding of rights. Through the understanding of what is right, what is wrong. What rights do people have because they don't cause harm? So in understanding natural law with these dominators, you have to try to convey over and over again that in order for there to be harm, someone has to be hurt in some way in order for there to be a violation of natural law. So many of these people are going and attacking and caging people who never hurt another living soul. You look at the example of a cop who jails someone for using drugs or even selling them. Voluntary exchange, voluntary interaction, no coercion involved, putting a substance into one's own body that they own, the principles of ownership, voluntary interaction, non-aggression, non-coercion, all need to be grasped at a high level. So they, you need to help communicate the knowledge to them that a living being has to be harmed or defrauded in order for an actual violation of rights to have taken place. And if that isn't the case, you shouldn't be taking any action against that person. And yet, that's what these people do, these dominators do every single day of their lives. And by doing that, they're ultimately taking that which isn't theirs, the right of others, of free association, of ownership of their own body. Supporting the concept of taxation is another one. These people going and jailing people and taking their freedom away for not paying an extortion paying into an extortion racket that's then going to be going used largely to do other murders. And someone objects to that and says, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not. You're not going to steal from me. Whether they even object to it on high moral grounds or just saying what's mine is mine and you're not going to take it from me. I labored for it. I earned it. And you're not just coming in and taking it based on services you say you're providing that I have no right to refuse. And that's all taxation is, is another form of theft. And supporting it by jailing anybody who refuses to engage in that extortion racket is wrong, is not a right. And they believe that it is because, oh, the government said that I can do that. Well, this is the second part of understanding natural law. The second main tenet is that rights that do not exist for an individual cannot be granted or delegated by man's law to any other individual or any group of other individuals. If something is wrong for one person to do, steal from another, physically hurt or assault another, defraud another, then it, you can't make a piece of legislation saying, because we've agreed that we're going to allow this, we're going to delegate that wrong. We're going to say, well, this is a wrong for an individual, but you can do it in this role you're playing. Government, the people that call themselves government now, they're allowed to do it. The military, they can do it. The police, they can do it because they're special. They have rights that other people don't have. And of course, this is an illusion and it's all nonsense. None of it is true. It's all based on falsity. It's all based on illusion. It's all based with on that which does not exist in nature, the creation of rights. No one creates a right, folks. You can never create a right, ever. You never created a right. Man never created a right. Man cannot create a right today. Man will never and can never create a right 
into eternity. Understand that. Rights are created by the creator. They exist inherently in the universe. Man did not make right from wrong. He did not make rights. The rights we have exist because of natural law. The law of the creator, not man's laws. No man made rights ever. You can write down anything you want on a piece of paper. That doesn't change truth. It will never change truth. Man does not create or invent rights. Man cannot delegate rights that don't already exist inherently in creation. It's an impossibility. It's an illusion. If you believe that can be done, you're under mind control and you're under deep illusion. You're sick. You are ill. You are mentally, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually ill. If that's what you believe. Because that's false. It is not the case. Ever. Blanket statement. It is 100% true that man never created a right ever and never can and never will. Because rights are not made by man. The end. Nothing else to say regarding that. That knowledge has to be drilled in to people. Drilled in, whether they want to hear it or not, whether they want to understand it or not. The ego has to break when it comes to that, folks. The ego must break. That's what the solution is all about. Breaking up the ego, which is the solute, which must be dissolved. The ego is the solute. You're not, not going to make a solution if it's hardened. You're going to have a suspension. You're not going to have a solution. A solution means that the solute, the hard substance, is broken up, is dissolved. And that's what the ego is. Hard-headedness. And don't be afraid or accosted by the ego as you encounter it in other people. You need to stand in your truth. Stand in truth and keep hammering on it until it breaks. And know that has not been done, that has not been tried in any kind of a wide sense. That's why people are still engaged in these immoral practices. It has not been done. And that's an effort that women can really come to the table and step into that, that place of force, not violence, the use of force. Standing in the force of creation, the will, engagement of will, when you're attempting to help this being out of their self-inflicted suffering, which they're so desperately clinging to. Because ultimately, they don't like themselves. What you're really trying to do is help them to develop self-respect and self-love. A being with self-respect and love would never be involved in that institution for any reason. They would not be able to, tr to be deceived about that being something that's good. It's based in violence. It can't create order. It can't create anything that's good. It's not possible 
according to the laws of creation. Not just because I said it isn't possible. It's the way nature works to bring us our experiences through our choices of behavior. Natural law is the laws of the consequences of behavioral choice. That's what it is. Not because I said that's what it is. That's because that's what it actually is in nature. And we can come to understand how that force is operating in our lives at all times and all places. And that knowledge is the development of conscience, which is, again, what a woman is ultimately trying to bring forth for discovery to a man in her life. You're bringing forth knowledge. You're, you're the bearer of that knowledge, of that light. That this is the Venus energy, the goddess energy that we're talking about. The sacred feminine presence, the Holy Spirit. Be the natural embodiment of that to convey conscience the definitive knowledge of the difference between right and wrong. Again, coming from the Latin language, con, a prefix meaning together or with, and scio, sciere, meaning to know. To develop conscience is to develop common sense. People don't understand that. That we're in the situation we're in because we've lost common sense. Because we've lost con science, common knowledge knowing together what right and wrong are. Then help to embody those principles and show by an example how to live that sacred feminine truth. Because the exercise of one conscience is willfully choosing right action over wrong action once you have that knowledge in hand. That's what the exercise of conscience is. Ultimately, as a woman, in the, the role that we're talking about here and being this powerful uh, feminine influence, you need to embody that by actually living it yourself. Exercise conscience and set an example through your own behavior. By definition, it is an impossibility for anyone to be, quote, following orders, and exercising conscience simultaneously cannot be done. This is another thing that needs to be communicated to people in the role of dominator. And again, you always hear me saying in the role. They are not actually that thing. That's not their essence. That's not who they are. That's who they've become identified with. They've become identified with that role. Reaching these people is about disidentifying them, detaching them from identification with the role that they're playing in the world. And ultimately, what needs to be also communicated is that they need to step into personal responsibility and stop justifying actions that are known to be wrong. Justification, again, means to create a right, which we've already talked about emphatically cannot be done. It also comes from Latin, jus, J-U-S, means right or law. And 
Fakio fakere means to make or to create. Justification, therefore, means to create a right, to create right out of a wrong. Justifications hold no water. They should not be uh, given validation. We should not be excusing people based on them saying, oh, well, you know, I was just following orders. We're into slides number 24 and 25 now. I was just following orders needs to be thoroughly renounced and rejected because that is never a valid excuse or justification for immoral and criminal behavior. And again, women need to call their men on this. They need to call them on their crap of saying, well, it's okay for me to do this because such and such said I could do it. And I'm just following orders. That's my job. I'm just doing my job. If you as a woman are truly stepping into the role of personal responsibility, that's what you have to try to help convey. The conveyance of that is part of that duty as an embodiment of the feminine energy, the spirit energy. I quote the researcher David Icke. He said this about personal responsibility, quote, accept responsibility for yourself and your actions, thoughts, and words. You alone make choices. You alone are answerable to the consequences of your behavior. The feeble excuse that your boss required it, that the establishment expected it, holds no truth or justification. Stop just letting these men off on this concept of justification and saying it's just their job. No, it isn't. It's personal. You're doing things that are personally affecting the lives of other people for the negative, for the worse, and taking their rights, which you have no right to take. And women out there who are taking this to heart and are going to start putting this into practice in their lives with the men in their life, ultimately what you're helping to influence as a spiritual alchemist is to get them to say no and to stop engaging in that practice of domination of others. Saying no, apophysis, is the solution. That means the ego has finally broken down and accepted the truth. What truth? That there is no such thing as authority in the three-dimensional realm at all. No one here is an authority. You are not the authority. There is no such concept of authority. The right to rule over another and dominate them. Authority is not truth. The truth needs to be our only, only authority in our lives. And our highest responsibility needs to be to the discovery and communication of the truth in this realm. With that having been said, what you're ultimately doing by stepping up into this powerful role of influence with the men in your lives and communicating these truths is you yourself are being becoming a sacred feminine reflection of the, of the very embodiment of selflessness. You are giving over oneself, not being motivated anymore by selfish worldly concerns, but truly being motivated by the desire to improve and evolve the higher self.
And I'll leave it there, folks, because that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, coming at you, a special two-hour interview with Laura Eisenhower. We're going to continue the topic of sacred feminine energy and influence on people's lives. You won't want to miss that. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you right here next week.